Shalom, and I hope all is well. My name is Yitzchak Schiffman. I love sharing Torah classes, and thank you for listening to this episode. Feel free to follow and to share with others so they too can enjoy the Torah classes on this podcast. Now, on to the episode. Let's get started. We are holding on Dafhamud Bet 5B. Okay. Just for some reason, I don't check what's next. No, it's all. Right. Mm-hmm. The fact that we, we're having pizza tonight isn't the end of the world. I'm just saying in terms of, like, if you want to park, and you can't park. Oh, okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because during the day, I'm often not picking up the phone. It's all right. I understand. I understand. We're holding on Dafhamud Bed 5B over here. We're in the middle of these conversations between Rav Nachman and Rav Yitzchak, so we're going to hopefully, I think we'll try to finish this sugya today. Now, the same, it was the same. Um, you flip that thing down. We had the same repetition for the last couple of conversations, which is Rav Nachman asked Rav Yitzchak, How do you understand this Pasuk? And Rav Yitzchak said, This is what Rav Yochanan said to explain the Pasuk. We're gonna, we just started this piece, but we're going to go back to the beginning of it because we really didn't get too far into it. So we're holding now. Just at the bottom of the wide li- of the narrow lines, the bottom of the narrow lines, uh, four lines above where the lines get wide. Rav Nachman, Rav Yitzchak, Avuyati, Besuudata. You see that? Yep. So that's where we're holding right now. Let's go from there. Rav Nachman, Rav Yitzchak, Avuyati, Besuudata. Rav Nachman, Rav Yitzchak, and Rav Yitzchak were sitting at a at a seuda. So they were sitting at a meal together. So say something, Master. Meaning, say a dvar Torah. We're not just going to sit here and eat pizza. Say a, say a dvar Torah. Say something good. Say, say some divrei Torah. So Amar lei. So Rabbi Yitzchak said back to Rav Nachman. In a nice way, he said, Again, he said something from Rabbi Yochanan. This is what Rabbi Yochanan said. We are not allowed to speak. We are not allowed to speak at a seuda, at a meal. Shema, because perhaps yaktim kana leveshet, the kana will precede the veshet. The trachea will go in front of the veshet, which is the esophagus. The avolide sakana, and it could bring the person to a dangerous situation. So the point is, he said, Rabbi Yochanan taught us. We're not allowed to talk while we're eating because then the food might go down the trachea, the windpipe, and cause a person to choke. So that's why I'm not going to say anything now. Now you understand, in saying that, he also said a Dvar Torah. Meaning that's also a Dvar Torah. That was from his Rebbe, Rebbe Yochanan. But it was also a message. We're not going to talk very long now. We're just going to uh, cut it short. What Dvar Torah you say? He said that the halacha is we're not allowed to speak well, is it in the middle of. Well, he quoted his Rebbe Rabbi Yochanan, so that's a Dvar Torah. It's from his Rebbe. It's a Rebbe. No, everybody says yeah? that. It's yeah. Yeah. He, says, he said, it's Rabbi Yochanan, my Rebbe said. Okay. Uh, Rafua is also halacha, meaning it's also. Yeah. Right? Dr. Pomper is also involved in uh, Torah all day. So the Gemara tells us, it was a fascinating thing also, by the way, because I want to just point out, I was listening to a shir from Avari Leibowitz, and he mentioned, I think he said from the Chidah, the Chidah, right? I think it was the Chidah. Maybe it was someone else. I can't understand how Gidolei Torah, great people in Torah, are constantly talking while they're eating. Now, obviously, they're talking in Devrei Torah. They're not just stam talking. Yeah. 
But Afalpikan, the Gemara says that you're not allowed to talk while you eat because there's sakana involved. Talks. Everyone talks while they're eating. It's, but you know what? The Gemara seems to be saying that's not necessarily the appropriate thing to do. Okay? So the Gemara continues and tells us, Batar de Saud, after they had finished eating, so the meal was over. So now Rabbi Yitzchak elaborated. He wanted to say something more. Amar Rabbi Yitzchak said another halacha from his Rabbi Rabbi Yochanan. Hachi Amar Rabbi Yochanan. This is a very famous teaching. And the, the, he says, what did Rabbi Yochanan teach? Yaakov Avinu Lomet. Yaakov Avinu never died. Now, what do you mean Yaakov Avinu never died? So Tosafot jumps in right away and he says, throughout the Torah, when someone passes away, Avotenu, Abraham, Yitzchak, Aharon, all of them, it says, Vayigva Vayamat. It says, he expired and he died. But by Yaakov, all it says is, Vayigva. He expired. It does not say Vayamat. So since it does not say Vayamat, he didn't die. Okay, so now this is a very... What do you mean he didn't die? So let's see. Rabbi Yitzchak said, this is what my Rabbi, Rabbi Yochanan said, Yaakov Avinu did not die. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to read the Gemara, simple pshat like Rashi, and then we'll speak a little more about it because it's a very interesting Gemara. So Rav Nachman said back to Rabbi Yitzchak, Bechdi means Bechinam. Was it for nothing or for, for naught, for no reason, Saftu Safdanya, that the eulogizers gave eulogies, Saftu, the Shoresh is Hesped, Hesped. Was it for nothing, for naught, that the eulogizers gave eulogies, Vechantu Chantaya, and the embalmers embalmed him? Chanita is the process of treating the body with certain chemicals in order to preserve it. Yosef commanded, we've seen the psukim, very clear, Yosef commanded that Yaakov Avinu, his father's body, no, Yosef commanded after his father Yaakov died that Yaakov... Isn't his father told him, please make sure take me... Yes, but he didn't say to embalm his body. Yosef the son commanded after his father Yaakov passed away to have his father's body embalmed. There's a lot of discussion here about this, by the way, because the classic kind of embalming, they would actually remove organs from inside the body, which is not so simple you're allowed to do that at all. That's actually chilulamet. It's a desecration of the body. Nivulamet, there's different issues. So the simple pshat would be as they treated it with chemicals, but they didn't remove anything. It wasn't a desecration. But either way, the point is, v'chantu chentaya, was it for nothing that they embalmed his body, the embalmers embalmed it, was that for nothing? And the barriers buried it? Was it for nothing that all of these procedures occurred by the people who took care of these things? Certainly he had died, otherwise how are they eulogizing, embalming, and burying him? Certainly he really died. As Rav Nachman said to Rabbi Yitzchak, was it for nothing? Yeah, for nothing. Kiti is like something that's not mentioned, like for, not, for nothing. Yeah. Something not not nothing for not. Yeah. Yeah. Was it for not? Yeah. Actually, the Gemara sometimes will say, and Amora says in the name of Kedi, and in that context we just had in the Daf recently, either of Kedi is a person's name in that context, or it actually means a, ma- a name that's not mentioned. It's like leaving out person's name. Somebody says, basically. I don't know that kind of But anyways, here, for not. Is it for nothing? Was it for nothing that they went through all the normal procedures of dying? Certainly, Yaakov Avinu died. Amar Lehi, so Rabbi Yitzchak said back to Rabbi Nachman, now the way Rashi learns is as follows. 
certainly, really, it could be, what? So Yaakov, he said Yaakov didn't die. means you're asking a good question. You're asking a good question. Why do they go through these procedures if Yaakov didn't really die? But, Mikra Ani Doresh. I expound a pasuk. I have a pasuk that shows he didn't die. I are asking a question. So the way Rashi learns is, it looked like he died, but really he didn't die. Where do we find in the pasukim that there's a reference, Yaakov didn't die? So Tosafot told us it leaves out the word vayamat. But now the Gemara says there's actually a reference specifically he didn't die. So it may have looked like he died, and that's why they did the normal procedures, but he really didn't die. Now we're going to have to explain what that means, but let's see, what's the pasuk that backs this up? Mikrani Doresh. I have a pasuk that I expound that supports, says Rabbi Yitzchak, that Yaakov Avinu did not die. Shene'e Marin Yirmiya, the pasuk tells us as follows. Ve'ata, and you, al tira avdi Yaakov, do not fear my servant Yaakov, ne'um Hashem, says Hashem. Ve'al techat Yisrael, and don't be fearful Yisrael, don't be fearful Jewish people. Because behold, I will save you from afar. And your children from the land of their captivity. Shivyam is Lashon Shevi. From the land where they're in captivity, from Galut. Now, the Gemara understands, this is Rabbi Yitzchak's response. The first time it says the word, it says Yaakov and it says Yisrael. So the second time Yisrael refers to Am Yisrael, the Jewish people. But the first time it says Yaakov, that refers to Yaakov Avinu. So what the Gemara is going to say is, just as there's going to be a Geula, and when the Geula occurs, the Jewish people who are alive are going to be redeemed, who else is going to be alive witnessing the Geula? Also going to be Yaakov Avinu. I.e., he didn't die. Let's read that inside. We compare him, Yaakov, to Yisrael, which refers to Bnei Yisrael, to his children. Just as the ones that will be redeemed are his children and they will be alive, meaning the ones that are alive will be redeemed. Dead people are not redeemed. It's the live Jews that will be redeemed in the future. So too Yaakov will be there to witness the Geula. Rashi says an amazing thing over here. Rashi says that Yaakov will be there to witness the Geula in the future, le'enav, in front of his eyes. When the Geula occurs, he's going to witness it. And he goes on to say, by, by Kriyat Yamsuf, we say, Vayar Yisrael Israel saw the great hand. Who was it referring to? It wasn't referring to B'nai Yisrael, the Jewish people. It was referring to Yisrael Saba. It was referring to Yaakov Avinu. So he's going to see the Geula in the future. And he was also there at Yitziat Mitzrayim, at, at uh, Kriyat Yamsuf. So therefore, says Rabbi Yitzchak, this is the pasuk that teaches, we compare him to his children, just as his children are alive and they'll be redeemed in the future, he will be there too, because he's going to be alive, he is not dead. From here, says Rabbi Yitzchak, even though it looked like he was dead, he really was not Where dead. Where is he if he wasn't dead? Where is he hiding? They did all the things on him for dead people, you know? So that's not what it sounds like here. Here, the way the Gemara is learning is that he's not dead. He's not dead. Now, there's certain people but who say this. Like, I said before, yeah. they treated his body. It doesn't right. mean they doesn't mean they took out limbs. No, they took stuff out. Yeah, yeah. But they treat him in a With way chemicals. Like they're it. 
Okay. So the Marsha comes along over here. Marsha is one of the commentaries when it comes to these type of Agadita Gemaras. And he says, there's two possible ways that we could potentially understand this concept of Yaakov Avinu Lomet. Either it could mean he didn't die physically, or it could mean he didn't die spiritually. He didn't die spiritually. So you're right, that's what the implication here is, but yeah. He didn't die spiritually. So Marshall says like this, to say he lives on physically, it's just diffi- It's a difficult shot to say such a thing. It's a very difficult shot. And he goes on to say, to say he lives on spiritually, what's the chidush of Yaakov? The Gemara says, all tzadikim, they're considered alive even in their death so then what's the chidush of of Yaakov to say that he lives on it could say the same thing by Avraham and Yitzchak so why does it specifically emphasize Yaakov Avinu Lomet if it only means in a spiritual sense you hear that Dr. Pomper you hear that so the Marshal learns two pshatim I'll tell you one of the pshatim that he learns he says like this it doesn't mean physical he doesn't live on in a physical sense. I'm going to tell you in a moment, a Gemara and Sota that seems to imply he does live on in a physical sense. I'll tell you that in a minute. But the Marsha says it means spiritually. So why does it emphasize Yaakov over Avraham and Yitzchak? So the emphasis is as follows. The Gemara tells us people who die, it's an amazing thing, Metim Sheba Eretz Yisrael don't have to go through these tunnels when Mashiach comes. They're going to go through Triyat HaMitim immediately without any sort of suffering or any sort of blockage in between. But people that die in Chutz Aretz will have to go through certain procedures, discomfort, whatever that is, by Triyat HaMitim. So he says like this, Avraham and Yitzchak died in Eretz Yisrael and they were buried in Eretz Yisrael. So it's Pashat that in the sense that they're not going to have to go through any of that suffering because they died in the land already. But where did Yaakov Avinu die? In Mitzrayim. So somebody might argue and say it's true he was buried in Israel. They brought his body up to the Marat Machpelah. But he died in in Mitzrayim. So maybe there's a level lower. He doesn't have that same continual living factor like Avram Yitzchak and I'll have to go through the pain of Triyat uh, HaMetim so therefore this is the Chidush listen to this therefore Makish Hulizaro we compare him to his children just as his children Yosef brought him when Yosef was alive he brought him to Marat HaMachpelah we look at Yaakov as if he died in Eretz Yisrael as well and he's on the same level as Avram Yitzchak but the way the Marsha is learning is it's the same as all tzadikim. I just want to point that out. We're just pointing out Yaakov because you may have thought he was different based on his death outside of Israel. But it's the same as other tzadikim. Avram Yitzchak would be the same scenario. That's a chidush. What I took from this marasha, which I think is a fascinating thing, before I'll tell you what uh, from the Gemara and Sota, the marasha is saying that there's a special status of dying in Eretz Yisrael. You hear that? I never knew that. Living in Eretz Yisrael, I knew there's a special thing. But to die, I, I, by the way, a lot of people want to be buried. No, die. A lot of people want to be buried. They live in a chutz Eretz, they get... Marsha's saying there's a special uniqueness, there's a special idea to live and die in Eretz Yisrael. It's a very interesting idea. It's not just to be buried. There are many people who want to be buried. They already buy them plots. So the Marsha is saying, the Gemara seems to imply, if you're buried, if you die and are buried in Chutz Aretz, there's a Gilgul Mechilot, there's some... No, I mean, if means, you yeah. just bury in Israel, not die in Israel, then it different? There seems to be a schut to being buried also. But it doesn't seem to be on the same level as somebody that dies in Israel. Very interesting. 
Anyways, I thought that was a fascinating thing. Yeah. But now let me tell you the Gemara and Sota. Because this Gemara seems to imply on a certain level he lived on even in a physical sense. The Gemara, yeah. the Gemara and Sota tells us a fascinating story. Famous story of Chushim Ben Dan. You know the story of Chushim Ben Dan. When, when the brothers, his children, brought his body from Eretz Yisrael to, from uh, Mitzrayim to, to Eretz Yisrael to the Maris Machpelah, Esav <coughs> got in the way. Esav blocked them from ent- entering the, uh, the burial plot, and he argued the following. He said, Yaakov and I were brothers, and there were two spots left in Marat HaMachpelah. We know that there were actually four double spots. Adam and Chava, Avraham and Sarah, Yitzchak and Rivka. Now, it should have been Yaakov and Esav. It's not husband and wife, but there were twins, and therefore they each deserved the spot. So Esav said like this, he already buried someone in his spot. Who was that someone? Leah. Leah was already buried in, because Leah was already buried in there. Rachel was not buried in there, by the way. Rachel was buried outside. In uh, Bethlehem, I think it was. But anyways, she was buried far away. But the point is, he took one spot already, so I deserve the other spot, and therefore you can't bury your father here Bury him elsewhere. I'm, when I die, I'm going to take this spot. So the sons of Yaakov said to Esav, you sold your Bechorah. And since you sold your Bechorah, he takes your position, which means whatever was coming to you is coming to him, which means he deserves your portion in Marat HaMachpelah as well. So he said back, I only sold Pshituta. I only sold my ordinary portion, my unique portion I ever sold. So they said, no, you sold that as well. Show me the document of sale. Well, it's in Mitzrayim. And they're already in Israel. You know the story. So what happened? Naftali ayala shlucha. Naftali was very quick. So Naftali said, one of the sons of Yaakov, I'm going to run back to Mitzrayim. It was very fast. And I'll bring back the deed and it'll be clear. So he runs back to Mitzrayim. In the meantime, one of the grandsons of Yaakov, his name was Chushim. He was the son of Dan. And he was deaf. He didn't know what was going on. All he saw was Esau standing in the way. His father Yaakov... His, his grandfather, Yaakov, is lying on the side, which is, is you're not allowed. When it comes to Kavod Amit, you're not allowed to leave a person unburied for longer than necessary. You have to bury. So he said, what's going on? So the people told him, I don't know, sign language or motion to him. Esav is blocking entry. He took out a stick. He smashed Esav in the head. Esav's, the Gemara says his eyes popped out, or his head, Gemara says his eyes popped out. Either way, the point is, his head fell off. Either way, the point is, what ended up happening was, he killed Esav on the spot. They buried Yaakov there. Why was I telling this whole story? Oh, because the Gemara says that when Esav's eyes, I think the Gemara says their eyes. I have to look it up again. Esav's eyes fell out. It went to Yaakov's feet. And Yaakov opened up his eyes and he laughed. That's what the Gemara there says. And he laughed. He smiled. He was happy about the situation. And the Gemara goes on to explain the rest of the story. But in the end, it's a bit of a strange story. But the point I was saying was, that's what Tosafot is quoting here. It seems to be, to a certain degree, there was a physical... Revival or a physical aliveness that Yaakov Avinu was experiencing. That's what Tosafot's quoting. It doesn't say Vayamat. It seems like he was, he laughed and he was, he was alive. He was vital, which is a hard to understand exactly. But the Marsha does not learn that way. The Marsha learns to mean spiritually. And the Chiddush is just, he's, you may have thought he was different than his ancestors, Avram Yitzchak. It's the same, yeah. even though he died in Mitzrayim. That's the shot in the story here. Now, there's many ways to explain this Gemara, a lot of different ways to understand it. But I just want to point out is that whenever you're going to say a Chiddush, that somebody is physically alive after they die, you have to be able to explain it. It's, it's, it's a little difficult to say such a shot. Just that's...
There are people who say such a pshat, by the way, but it's a little bit, you know, to give an explanation to that. Generally, people die. I mean, that's just the reality of life. Okay. Let's go one more step here in the story. Bottom line is, Rabbi Yitzhak said back, they, it looked like he had passed away, but really he didn't die. The way the Marashal's learning is on a spiritual level, and that's based on the Pasuk. We compare him to his children. Okay, let's go one more step here. Amar Rabbi Yitzchak. Everybody see that? Amar Rabbi Yitzchak. It's about uh, five lines down the wide lines. Amar Rabbi Yitzchak. Rabbi Yitzchak says, Kol Omer, anybody that says, Rachav, Rachav, this is the Gemara Masechet Megillah, anybody that says, Rachav, Rachav, Miyad Nikri, immediately he becomes Balkari. He has a seminal emission. Means he, oh, what is Rachav, Rachav? It's very strange. So Rachav, the Gemara Masechet Megillah tells us, the Gemara in Masechet Megillah tells us, he wasn't there yet, exactly. The Gemara in Masechet Megillah tells us, Rachav was one of the four most beautiful women to ever exist. Okay, Who was she? So we know that when Yeshua ben Nun took over as the leader of the Jewish people, he sent two spies into the most heavy fortified city yeah. on the border oh, of Israel called Yericho. Who were those two people? Who were those two people? Pinchas. So Pinchas is the, the man of our parsha. I mean, Imam is the man. And Kalev ben Yefuneh. Now he sends them in. There's a story. They find the house of a woman whose name is Rachav. And it calls her Rachav Hazona. Either she was a prostitute, like a Zonami, or it's Lashon of Mizonot. She had a, a Makolet. She used to sell food. Okay. Either Pshat you say, people used to come by her store or her place all the time. So they thought if we go there, we'll hear what the people are talking about, how they're feeling about the Jews coming. And that's what ended up happening. Now, eventually she saved their life because the people of Yericho, the king sent to kill them. And they promised to her, if you put a red string on your house, anyone who's in the house, we're going to leave alive. When we come in, everyone else is going to die. She does this, and they save her and her family. Maran Masechet Sota tells us, eventually she converted to Judaism. And not only did she convert to Judaism, she ended up marrying the leader of the Jewish people, Yahushua bin Nun, which is a tremendous story of Teshuvah. If you learn like she was a prostitute, I mean, you see that she went from the lowest of the low to being married to the leader of the Jewish people at Tzadik, Talmud Chacham, and all of that. Could be, I don't know. Could be. Yeah, I guess so. It's true. Shua Benon was the Talmud Muvak of Moshe Rabbeinu, the greatest student. He took over as the next leader. But the point is, what Rabbi Yitzchak is saying over here, she was so beautiful that if you say her name twice, because of Ta'ava, you're immediately going to become a Baal Keri, have a seminal emission. So that's what Rabbi Yitzchak says. So I'm Rabbi Yitzchak, call, call him Mary, according to, yeah, yeah. Anyone that says Rachav Rachav immediately becomes Balkari. So Amr of Nachman, Nachman said to Rabbi Yitzchak, Ana mina, I say it, and it doesn't affect me. What kind of a business is that? You're saying you become Balkari, but I say it and, not, and nothing happens. What are you, what are you saying? said, When was I saying that it will affect the person in that way? 
So he knows her and he recognizes her. Now Rashi learns these two words mean the same thing. He recognizes her. Tosafot learns Yoda'a means Sheba'aleha. Somebody that had relations with her. Makira means somebody that saw her. So if he had relations with her before and he saw her, then he has in his mind the image of that woman and then he'll become Balkari. But if you don't have that in your mind, so then it doesn't affect you. And that's why uh, it's not going to affect Rav Nachman or, or anyone for that matter. Okay, we're going to stop here for the day. Bezer Hashem will finish off the last story between these two tomorrow. I was stopping towards the bottom of Hamadbeth.